Although Pete Buttigieg is no longer in the presidential race, his legacy lives on in his rules of the road. Respect, belonging, truth, teamwork, boldness, responsibility, substance, discipline, excellence, and joy. Welcome to Twitter Travel's Rules of the Road. The rules of the road were what really made the Pete campaign special. And since they translate so well into everything we do in life, I thought it would be good to take a second look at them, delve deeper into what they mean and all of the possibilities. I'm going to be doing remote interviews with Twitter friends and we'll take the rules two at a time and really talk about them, what we think they mean. So today, I'm starting out with the first two, respect and belonging. And here with me today is Paula. Hi, Paula. I know you from Twitter. Hi, Sue Ann. And you are in California? Yes, Northern California. Where it's a lot different weather than what I have here in Minnesota. We're having uh, a little, I'm looking at snow right now, which is horrible, but it will melt. And you sent, you you posted a beautiful picture of the ocean yesterday. I did. And, And even though I was so envious, it really did warm my soul and brought me joy. So thank you for that. Oh, you're welcome. If I'm away from the coast for too long, I get very cranky because I was raised on the Atlantic Ocean side of the country, a couple of miles from the ocean. And it wasn't until I moved away that I realized how much a part of me the ocean is and the ability to see it. And so when we moved out west, we first landed in Washington State. And it was very easy to find a nice big body of water. Um, And then when we moved here, we live in the middle of a valley, but it's only about 45 miles from the ocean. Uh, It just takes about an hour and a half to get there because you have to go over two sets of mountains. But um, if I don't get over there on a regular basis, I get very cranky. And yesterday was going to be one of those days. So my husband and I agreed for our own mental health to do a covert mission over to the coast and have a picnic in our car. And it worked out very nicely. Oh, well, you were being very safe. Of course, this is the time of social isolation and we're all following the rules and it's a great time for us to be doing a podcast. Now, we met actually in person in Iowa twice in Des Moines. Yes. In November and then in and then January which is so fun. And you don't know this, but I was planning to interview you for the Twitter Travels for Pete. So that's one reason I asked you to do this. You were on my list. Uh Aha. Okay. Uh Well, uh, so what are you doing there in California? I know you were being uh, active on the the Pete campaign. Uh, What else would you like to tell us about your life there? I've been a nurse for over 40 years. I, re- I hesitate to say how much over 40 years. Uh, because I graduated, you're only 40 years old. <laughs> I graduated very, very young. Um, yes. And a few years ago, I left my hospital job and uh, traveled a little while, uh, went overseas to visit friends in the United Kingdom, and came back and went to work for uh, small rural health clinics in our area uh, as a grant writer. And um, doing work with federal compliance, which is probably the least popular and most boring job in all of rural health. 
but it taught me a lot of important things. And one of my first memories of meeting Pete was a conversation we had about rural health. So I, um, I, I've done that for now. Uh, it'll be six years in May. Um, right now, I am what I like to call semi-retired because I work as an independent consultant, and that's what allowed me so much time to be able to travel for Pete and organize for Pete in California. And I'm also writing a fiction novel, but I've been working on that so long that I'm writing a novel is kind of getting embarrassing now. Uh, but I do hope... I think that's very common, <laughs> though, actually. Yeah, it is. It is, especially a first novel. Um, and this one has a lot of personal significance for me. So I can, I can do it in... Um, kind of episodes of inspiration, and then I have to walk away from it for a bit and come back. I did walk away from it for the entire time that I was involved in Pete's campaign, and I don't regret a minute of that, but now I have to go back and start reading it over again so that I know where I was when I left off. So uh, I live here in uh, rural California with my husband, who's also a nurse. He does anesthesia at our critical access hospital to the north. Um, a greyhound who needs a tremendous amount of attention but deserves all of it, and two cats that keep me entertained 24-7. Okay, well, so we might hear from the greyhound during this interview. We may. Uh, the cats we won't hear. If but we, just... we could hear. One of them's already gotten stuck in a closet, so I let her out Uh-oh. right before we started this. At some point today, they'll fight, you know. <laughs> just knowing that they're there just, you know, makes us feel comfortable. Yes. Thank you so much for doing the first episode of Twitter Travels Rules of the Road. We're going to start now. And what I've, to start with, I looked at the, what came from, came from the campaign, the Rules of the Road. There was a description for each rule. And I'm going to just read, you know, one line from the respect. So now we're delving into respect. And this line is, in our thoughts, words, and actions, we cultivate a sense of respect. So first of all, we we need to define respect, right? I think, you know, most of us could agree on the the basic definition, but, you know, what what should we include in that? And are there any any synonyms? I know know you've been thinking about this, and um, what did you come up with? Well, the classic synonyms, if you look in a dictionary, are esteem, uh, regard, uh, consideration, admiration. Um, but to me, respect, they're synonyms, but to me, respect is almost something you know when you see it and you really know when you don't see it. And um, it, in a way, it's, um, it's an intransitive kind of, kind of concept. And um, so it, but yet I think we all have a sense of what that means, whether it's respect for an office, respect for a person. Uh, in nursing, we commonly talk about respect for people's privacy. And, and so I think as a concept, we get it. The, um, the synonyms kind of fell a little flat for me. Right. And I, I could, and we could put them on a continuum almost, you know, because, you know, admire, you know, it's getting, you know, uh, a little bit more intense in the, the respect. 
admire. I was thinking of that one too. And you're so right in that we know when it's not happening <laughs> because there's so, there's so much and it's really difficult to define respect. Um, and like I said about the continuum, you could have the kind of respect where like, okay, I'm just going to let you be who you are and I'm not going to interfere with anything you want to do. And that I suppose is a form of respect, right? But yeah. then are you celebrating that Right. So there's right. a really in, inactive, right. inactive form of 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 respect. Another um, one, which is that minimal. Right. About. Yeah. Yeah. The other one I, I thought about is to consider someone or something worthy of high regard, for lack of a better term. But um, there is an element of I don't of of worthiness inherent in respect. And I know we often um, talk about respect as something that is earned. Um, and yet, on the, on the other hand, we often hear that, for instance, the office, you should respect the office even if you don't respect the person in the office. So mm -hmm. the, in that sense, That's, the office be would difficult. be worthy of high regard. But the person mm -hmm. occupying it may mm -hmm. or may not feel to you as if they are worthy of your respect. Um, the more you dig into it, <laughs> the more complicated it gets. That, that's really tricky. Uh, I like how you said worth, uh, that, you know, if we, if we believe that respect, it's in the rules of the road. So, res so respect everyone. And so everyone has worth. And I guess to the extent that you would, uh, admire them and have high regard that's that's where I see that on the on the continuum but the respect and the, the sense of worth in our actions it says in our thoughts words and actions so the way that we act towards people in accepting and respect now I'm it's hard not to get into the next rule but uh, the respect is where where it starts but in this quote that I, I read, in our thoughts, words, and actions, we cultivate a sense of respect. So I think it was really interesting that they use the word cultivate. I, I love it. I actually love that, that word's used there. I do too. And I hadn't thought about it until we started talking about the podcast. And I went back and read through the, um, through the rules again. And then the word cultivate stuck out to me. And as everything, I think that Pete writes and talks about, he talks a lot about intentionality. And, and I think he was very intentional in using the word cultivate. Um, so that really sent me off on a, uh, on a journey with that word. Because, you know, what's great about this is that there's, it's not like you either respect or don't respect, which, I mean, we could just talk about that. But cultivate means as you get to know someone, that, that things can grow, that you plant a seed, you plant a seed and you cultivate means that you would be watering it, maybe fertilizing it and giving it sun and then, and it would grow. And... And just thinking of respecters as something that can grow, and something and it's where you know um, that cultivate also means to prepare in the sense that if you're talking about planting seeds, before you can plant the seed, you have to prepare the soil. And to me, that that's an internal process, but also a very deliberate process of 
um, preparing to uh, take that next step. So I thought that was interesting. I've never thought of it that way. Uh, that that's that's genius. There, wow. That, what you know what this all means to me that it's not just a done deal that if you don't respect someone you know let's just say you have a problem okay we could say respecting someone who has a different political belief right yes and that doesn't mean that's a done deal because you could cultivate that respect I, I guess you could say you could learn to respect but you could open yourself up to to be able to at least respect the person if if you're not there right now that doesn't mean that you're you never will be able to exactly Exactly. And, and to me, it's you have to prepare yourself with the right mindset. Um, and, and when Pete talked about, you know, you can't say you love your country if you hate half the people in it. To me, that's a call to cultivate a sense of respect, or at least a sense of deeper understanding about where others are coming from and attempt, you know, as you're cultivating this to um, accept at face value that there is a reason they believe the way they do. And that um, preparing yourself to listen, preparing yourself to listen non-defensively, preparing yourself to not react when something strikes you as as, uh, the exact opposite of what you personally feel, a lot of that is that intentional preparation. If you know you're going into a situation where you're going to be across the table from someone that that you probably agree about nothing, preparing Mm -hmm. is thinking about how can I find common ground with that person. Oh, yeah. And I just thought of another word that another thing that's necessary is understanding, right? Mm -hmm. To be able to respect somebody, you need to at least understand some of where they're coming from. Wow. And then going back to this quote, I just have to say one more thing. In our thoughts, words, and actions, we cultivate a sense of respect. And thoughts is included. I never thought of respects. I know now that now I'm thinking of it that way. But we don't often think of respect as being in the thoughts. But um, it just makes me think that the way it's written, it's like the origin has to come from your thoughts. It does. And that, <laughs> I would have to say that when it comes to following the rules of the road, that might be the hardest part for me is, is schooling my thoughts first. Um, but again, um, this, it's a, it shows intention. And, um, and, and that really struck me. You might sometimes my first thought is anything but respectful, and when that happens, it calls on me to take a step back and and look at something through someone's eyes who thinks differently from me, and and I definitely think you have to cultivate that ability. Right. So I think what you're referring to is often we have that that proverbial eye roll. You know, oh, yes, I can't exactly. believe that person that person is <laughs> saying that. But then we have to remember, okay, well, if you haven't walked in their shoes and you have no idea what, you know, um, challenges that person is facing, and, and it, it's hard to sometimes give, give them a pass. But I think the idea that things start as a thought, that if you're thinking sort of in a respectful way, that will then guide your words and actions. Exactly. I, I saw it as a, the, the, the process being there. 
And I, so often we think about, oh, I have to be good today. I'm going to follow the rules of the road and, you know, my tweets, and which would be words and actions. And I don't think we think about, well, I, th- I should start first in how I'm thinking about things. I think, I think that's a good reminder. It is. It is that, that before you hit reply or comment that you take a beat and try approaching it without assumptions and for in fact like take your fingers away from the keyboard and take a deep <laughs> breath and and it and analyze what assumptions you've already made about the person that wrote that tweet for example or that post yes then delete delete or x out yeah. right, whatever <laughs> and then filter you know filter those through your personal biases like how can they not understand why I feel this way. Um, you know, um, oh, identifying. So I'm so glad yeah, you said that. Yeah, just try to take a step back and identify your personal biases. If more of us did that, there might be fewer comments, <laughs> but they would be better comments, I would think. If the goal is to have a if the goal is to have some kind of a meaningful interaction. Right, and that is the goal. I'm, I'm going to finish up now with, uh, we're going to getting towards the end of uh, talking about respect, but there's another line in that uh, description in the, the Pete for America list of, of the rules. And it's towards the end. It says, the better we hold up this value among ourselves, the better it will reflect outside. So they were meaning like uh, within the campaign and the better it will reflect out to outwards. But I think this is really important to think about holding up the value among ourselves. So now let's think in terms more like uh, of a group. If you're uh, in a work setting, neighborhood setting, uh, those teachers teachers listening, a classroom setting, or working in politics in any way, why is that important to hold up the value among ourselves? So does that mean respecting everybody who's on the team and that that's then reflected to the to the outside. Yeah, absolutely. I think if that you you first have to again as Pete did in this campaign, make this a value and cultivate it to the point that it is a value that drives your communication within the team and then outside the team. If you don't have it, if you don't show it within the team and you only show it outside then there's an automatic hypocrisy there that that doesn't um, that doesn't speak well of your work team or your or your goals. If your goal is to show respect to others, but you're not showing it internally to each other, then there's an inherent hypocrisy there that doesn't ring true with anything we know about the goals of of Pete's campaign or even. Um, the rules that he used as the mayor of his city. Um, I, I, and it also says, you know, we are going to disagree because in any healthy team environment, there is going to be disagreement. But how we disagree matters. How we convey our disagreement, how we work through our disagreement matters. And that's a lot of what I took from that. And the other, the other phrase toward the end there he uses is a quiet antidote. In other words, um, in that phase, he 
he acknowledged that his campaign might not be taken seriously, but the more we manifest that value of respect, that value of respect is a quiet antidote to all the noise, to all of the traditional way of, of doing politics from a negative perspective, from a we versus they perspective. And I loved feeling that I got such a great feeling from being that quiet antidote, antidote because um, there were so many opportunities to have reacted to other people who were bullying or trolling or, or making, um, you know, negative statements even at farmer's markets or whatever. And feeling that being part of these, this team meant being a quiet antidote to that noise. Um, and modeling that for other people inevitably, in, in every circumstance that I was aware of it, the conversation ended well, even if it ended without disagreement. And that is one of the things that I'll, I'll carry forward from now on. I, there's just, there's no way that once you felt that, that you ever want to feel any other way. Does that make sense? Oh, that's very well said. And, and that's a great lesson. And I, I don't have anything to add to that because that's perfect. Well, now let's talk about belonging. That's my favorite rule. What does it mean to you personally to belong? What does belonging feel like? And are there any synonyms that we could use? Belonging to me means knowing first that it's yes, hard first <laughs> it's very hard to put into words like you said before you know when you exactly. don't belong it's, right it's a sense that that you fit in whatever situation that you're in whether it's a personal relationship or a work environment or a social group of some kind um but not just that you fit but that you you have a contribution to make that, um, that, and that you feel good about the contribution that you're able to make. Um, belonging is difficult. Um, personally, for me, it's always been difficult because all evidence to the contrary during the campaign, I have always been very much a social introvert, the shy, bookish kid, um, the only child that didn't really know where she fit. Surrounded by adults all the time, I always felt like I fit in with the adults that I hung out with as a kid. But when it came time to go to school, I felt for most of my academic career that there was something just quite missing that I never quite belonged. And I think the shyness was a factor. Um, to a great extent. And honestly, <laughs> I didn't lose any of that until I joined uh, the campaign. And every day, my husband would say, who are you and what have you done with the woman that I married? Because he had never seen me <laughs> go out of my way to greet strangers, much less shake their hands or give them a hug or a high five or be so enthusiastic about anything. And um, 
And we had lots of opportunities, ski groups, wine tastings, all of the things that we love to do together. But it wasn't until I found this community that it, that it felt good. <laughs> so the feeling of belonging allowed you to, to get over any kind of shyness or, or being uncomfortable with a group because just feeling acceptance. So yes, there's a, there is a, a synonym, good synonym um, that we could use that what that allows you to to really be be what do what you yeah. want to do be be exactly to be exactly who you are and not uh worry about uh being rejected for some aspect of yourself um there is an there's an unconditional element there that make that that frees you it's there's a freedom to belong and that um that's a feeling that once you have it, <laughs> um, it, it's almost like you feel like that the sky is the limit for what you can do. And what's so great about that is that, like, you're right, the sky is the limit in that you can, with if you have a group of people where they all feel like they, they, they belong, that what you're going to end up with is everybody's excellence, right? And the, the best that everyone can do because right. they can release right. it. So that's the benefit of belonging. So it's not just that, exactly. oh, we feel good, right? We want people to feel good. We want them to feel accepted. Right, right. You know, it is we, we bring out the best in each other, and we, and we find the best in ourselves um, because we're not a, because the fear, um, the fear of being rejected, the fear of not being good enough um, is no longer an obstacle. Right, so that's not restricting, you know, any creativity or or ideas or just work because you feel like you're gonna that it's whatever you do is is accepted. Yeah, and and it really out of that flows so much of the joy of whatever you're involved in. Again, I say like whether it's skiing or playing, you know, cards with a group. It's it's feeling a part of it. And, and being your best, feeling like you can be your best self uh, without, without fear. Oh, yes, fear. Yeah, without fear. Wow. Um, I'm going to read something from the, the Pete for America description in Belonging. Uh, we will honor this value of belonging as we proactively work to include people of different backgrounds and viewpoints in every major decision and cultivate a sense of welcome to all. So there's that cultivate a sense of welcome to all. That's what I, I think of mostly with uh, belonging, but I want to back up to the proactive part to be proactively, to proactively work to include people of different backgrounds and viewpoints in every major decision. So that was for the campaign, uh, wanting to, them to, to include all, but if we think in terms of other areas of our life, our work, or other political campaigns, or or anything that we do, any activities that we do in our, our jobs, that actively, proactively including people of different backgrounds, that I don't think we always do that. <laughs> because proactively means that you're actually making an effort to find people of different backgrounds. And the thing that's hard about that is that, and some endeavors just are not naturally uh, attracting people of different backgrounds, but maybe that's because they don't feel welcome. So we don't know, is it the chicken or the egg, right? Exactly. 
one of my best work mentors um, early on it, when I went into the administrative side of healthcare talked about this concept of stakeholder mapping. And when you make a, when you have a big decision to make, when you have a change that needs to be made, the first thing you do is to proactively look around and figure out who has a stake in this decision, who will be affected by this decision. Um, and most especially including likely opponents, you know? Who's gonna have a completely different opinion? Who's gonna have a life experience that will bring something to the table that we, in our you know, narrow um, focus, do not have and cannot speak to uh, or should not presume to speak to. Um, that is probably one of the most valuable lessons that I learned from this very brilliant nurse executive because you don't just want experts. You want people who, are, who will actually live the consequences of your decision. Well, that sounds very important. That's that's really amazing to me, and I I, I should have different words other than uh, amazing for that. But it also makes me realize that sometimes if you you oh we want to attract maybe some um, people of color, some minorities, that sometimes you're accused of, of using a token, right? Like oh you 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 just need you need to have you know like when you have your group picture taken, you need to show that you've got you know a variety of of ethnic backgrounds or whatever. But but really when you think of it, it's more like we want to know what they think. That's why we need to have them no. here. In, we in, do not we do not in any way share their lived experience, nor do we have the right to presume that we know what they need or what they want or what they have to offer us. And so again comes this intentionality that is so much a part of everything Pete brought forward in this campaign. The the Douglas plan comes to mind mm -hmm. in you know, one of many, but even the conversation I had with him around the needs of rural health care in this country, um, we wouldn't make decisions about that without including people who live that reality, not only the providers, but the patients who, you know, are whose only choice is to seek that level. And to do otherwise is to make some really dangerous presumptions so it has to be intentional. It has to include um, not only the lived experience, but people who will think completely differently than you do. I like how you said it's dangerous to make presumptions. So this also has the cultivate a word again, cultivate a sense of welcome to all. So again, could we, could we use the same sort of analogies that we used for respect, for cultivating belonging? A cultivate a sense of welcome, a sense of welcome. Okay, so let's talk about welcome. What does it mean to feel welcome, right? I think, again, it is um, one of the examples from the campaign is how often in 20-plus events um, Pete used the word welcome. You are welcome in this campaign who you voted for in 2016 is in the past. If you are looking for X, Y, or Z, you are welcome in this campaign. And, and I saw um, 
volunteering at those events, people who came in skeptical. And, and again, the, their, their attention was caught when he said, you are welcome in this campaign because they are not used to being welcome because of the polarizations we feel. And so again, we have to set aside, you know, I, I still see on social media, you know, if you voted for you know who in 2016, I want nothing to do with you. Well, that is exactly the opposite of what we need to do. We need to intentionally say, if say you are welcome and, and you're welcome to come. And if you if you were, if you find something here that you that that resonates with you, we're glad. If you don't, that's okay. But you, you know, but you are welcome to come. And and as a volunteer, uh, we were told at every event, somebody comes in wearing full MAGA gear, they are welcome. And that made us mindful of the potential outreach of just one person at a time, making them feel welcome. It would sometimes catch them very much off guard. Um, and that was, that was actually pretty exciting because we felt like that we were reaching outside of our own comfort zone to welcome someone in that might strongly disagree with us. But even in doing that, maybe we would learn something that we could use, um, to advance the values of the campaign. That's the only way I can say Oh, it. yeah. That, that we would learn something also. And just that, that welcome that immediately made them feel like, okay, it, it's a, opened the door, right? It, began, it be, right? it began the journey. So nobody can make the journey towards, you know, maybe they, they feel like they, they might have made the wrong decision in 2016, or maybe they, at that point, they thought it was the right decision, but now they know it's not. And so how do they start their journey if they don't feel welcome to even start start exactly. the journey and if they if they don't feel like we respect them then they will never feel like they belong and then the other thing that that i find um about this is when we talk about belonging it's not just bringing your strengths to the table it's not just your talents or your enthusiasm but it's also if if you belong if you're welcome um your vulnerabilities are a part of that so, you know, you have to feel free that if, you're, if, if your vulnerabilities are exposed, that they will also be welcome and respected. Um, and That's really interesting. I think. I, yeah. I haven't thought of it. Well, that comes from, you know, that, that comes from support groups. And, um, you know, I did, I spent a couple of years in uh, psychiatric nursing and facilitating addiction groups. And, um, and there is a place where you really have to be willing to be vulnerable. But trusting someone with our vulnerabilities is, is the hardest thing we have to do because that's where the fear lies, that if people find out that we're vulnerable, they will capitalize on that. And so intentionally welcoming someone and giving them that sense of belonging, that sense of safety. Right, safety. Um, is, is important because people will not feel welcome if they don't feel safe. 
Well, those are all excellent points, things that I haven't thought of. So as we close out on the belonging and respect, you already said something about how they are connected. Actually, I think all of the rules of the road are co connected in some way. They are. They are. <laughs> but es Absolutely. especially respect and belonging. Like, can you, can you have respect without belonging? Can you have belonging without respect? Yes, you can. You can, but, but um, depending on what, but to accomplish anything, to particularly in something that went from a, mov a moment to a movement and a movement that maybe took an unexpected turn, but is nevertheless strong because we now have a group of people united around a set of values that are, um, that are just guiding principles regardless of, of what we do next. But I do think that in order to have the kind of um, the kind of momentum to keep hope alive at this at this really challenging moment in our lives, um, to uncouple respect and belonging, um, I, I don't think you can uncouple them in a movement of this type. I think, yeah, you. Uh, you might feel one before the other. You might feel respect uh, for something before you feel like you belong as part of it. Um, but I, I would, I would have to think a lot more about the idea of can you feel belonging without respect? Because I'm not sure that's that part. I would have to give a lot of thought to. Right, because what you said about you have to feel like like it's okay to make yourself vulnerable because you're going to be accepted and accepted is respect and it's all just rolled up together. So I would, I would say if we're, if you're doing the ultimate, if you're ultimate, the respect leads to belonging. Is that why they were written in that order? I don't know. I don't know. And I really wish we could ask the experts. I know. Well, maybe someday we'll get to do that. Well, one thing I know is that I will still get to see you on Twitter. And that as yes, soon as we can travel, I'll be seeing you in person again. And that yes, all of um, yes. the, those of us who are really interested in the rules of the road and share those values that we are going to be working together um, to make the world a better place. And what, what, exactly. in whatever way we can. We don't know exactly how that's going to um, be, but we know we're, we're ready. Uh, yes, we do. <laughs> and even, and even, in our, even in our everyday lives between now and then, whether it is reaching out to an elderly neighbor or um, giving blood, um, all of those values, that once, once you sign onto this campaign and you read those values and you put your signature and, and as Pete often said, you tie your reputation to him and he ties his reputation to you. There's an obligation that, um, and a commitment that I, I don't want to go back to the person I was before. And, it, and of all the times for us, of all the things we didn't see right now at this crisis in, in our well-being in this country, um, those rules of the road are more important than ever. Um, and I think they, they start with us as individuals, but they bind us as a collective. Well said. Wow. 
You had so many wonderful things to say, things that I hadn't thought of before. And I know that our listeners are going to love this podcast episode. I want to thank you, Paula, for agreeing to be on the first episode. You didn't know what to expect. Let me just <laughs> no, let me just say my my motto in the campaign, coming from that socially introverted background, was anything for Pete. Now there were a few times, like when I was facing down an unchained pit bull in South Carolina, where I thought when I said that I really didn't have in mind facing down an unchained pit bull. Um, in rural South Carolina. Oh, I didn't hear that story. That will have to come later. But we did it. But we did it anyway. And uh, then again, it was challenged when you said, will you be on this podcast? Because this is not something I would ever do. But again, anything for this movement now that was inspired by Pete is, is you know, it's just an honor, and and I love that you're doing this. Well, thank you. Keeping these rules alive. And you know, you introverts have so much depth to you. We need to get we need to get all those thoughts out. So. <laughs> yeah, we spend a lot of time in our own heads. <laughs> so I have to say, for social isolation, I've been training my entire wow. life for this. But you know, I'll try not to think that I was being compared to a pit bull in any way. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm just saying that I have had a variety of experiences I didn't expect. Right, they say push yourself, right? Anything for Pete. Right. right. You know, um, I had never driven on frozen roads until I got to Iowa and had to go to Grimes um, the morning after it snowed. I am. From that the was South. good for I you. Do not that drive. was good for your character. Someone from Minnesota is saying you have to experience that. <laughs> Every bit of this is a character building right. experience, and, and and it's great memories. Honestly, and stretching yourself, and I, I have a feeling that one of the uh, future rules of the road will be exploring that aspect. But for now, we're going to have to say goodbye. Uh, thanks so much. I appreciate it so much, Sue. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Twitter Travel's Rules of the Road. I hope it inspired you.